0: Welcome to Standing in the Gap. I'm your host, preacher, Brandon Harrell. Standing in the Gap is a weekly audio Bible study dedicated to the verse-by-verse exposition of the KJV Scriptures. It is my prayer that through these studies, the lost will be saved, the believer edified, and most of all, that the Lord Jesus Christ will be magnified and honored through the proclamation of His Word. For correspondence information, please stay tuned until the end of the broadcast. May the Lord bless you as you listen to this week's Standing in the Gap. All right, it's time again for Standing in the Gap. This is Preacher Brandon. We are studying the Gospel according to Matthew. We've made it now to chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And we're studying this passage and considering the thought of the birth of Jesus Christ. We noticed, first of all, in verse 18, Joseph's discovery. The scripture says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. She was found with child, the scripture said. We studied the discovery that Joseph had here of Mary's pregnancy, the effects of that upon him, the surprise of that, and then the most shocking, her explanation when she said it was of the Holy Ghost. And then in verse 19, we notice Joseph's decision. It says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. We noticed Joseph's decision, this phrase, put her away privily. He was going to secretly and quietly write her a bill of divorcement to spare her the indignity of public reproach as well as uh, to save her life. She could have been stoned. And uh, I would also mention to you, and we we won't deal with this uh, at this time in this study. We may wait And be able to deal with this a little later on when we look at Herod. But uh, notice one of the options that Joseph had was not to convince her to have an abortion. That wasn't on the table here. And uh, that wasn't even in the purview of the Jewish mind. and It ought not be in the minds of any civilized society. But Joseph was minded to put her away privily. He had made up his mind. His decision was final. And this is what he would do. Being a just man... He was minded to put her away privily. But then we began to consider Joseph's dream. On last time, this was what came into the uh, purview of our study. And in verse number 20, it says, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. In this dream, we notice, first of all, an intervention. This intervention occurred while he was reflecting upon the matter, while he thought on these things. Then there was a revelation. The messenger came. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him. And the means of this intervention was a dream. He came to him while he was dreaming. And this intervention took place. God intervened into the life of Joseph to prevent him from following through with the decision that he had made. And then we found the injunction on last time. It says in verse 20, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying, and first of all, there was some comfort that he received. He says, thou son of David, um, reminding him of his lineage, of his heritage, of his kingly ancestry. And then he says, fear not, a comforting remark. Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. What a comfort Joseph received. And then the confirmation. He tells him there in verse 20, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. He confirmed the story that Mary had given. But today, as we look at this passage a little further, I want to move another step. And as we think about this dream, notice not only the intervention and not only the injunction, but notice in verses 20 and 21, the instruction. There are two areas in which the angel instructed Joseph in this dream. First of all, he was instructed concerning nuptials. He's told here, take unto thee Mary thy wife." He's told in verse twenty one she shall bring forth a son, and secondly, he is instructed concerning a name. He says, "Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Let's take the first thought of this instruction. He was instruction he was instructed concerning nuptials. There are two areas here that he's told uh, when it comes to this marrying of Mary. First of all, he is to receive his spouse. Take unto thee, Mary, thy wife. And secondly, he is to receive and to raise her son. Receive your spouse, raise her son. She shall bring forth a son. So here, Joseph is not only told not to fear, not only is the Holy Ghost's uh, involvement in this conception confirmed to him. But he is instructed to receive his spouse and to raise her son. As we think about this receiving of the spouse, notice with me, first of all, the duty that is assigned. He says, take unto thee, Mary, thy wife. Take unto thee, Mary, thy wife. I thought about as I read that phrase, take unto thee. What he's saying is take responsibility for Mary. Bring her under the safety and the umbrella of your home, of your roof. From this day forward, he's saying Mary is to be your responsibility. Uh, in Mark chapter number 10 As the Lord Jesus himself exalted the institution of marriage, he says, But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh." What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder the duty assigned in marriage. Here the Lord Jesus in Mark 10 exalts the institution of marriage. Notice what he says, but from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. Here he uh, reminds us of the reality That God is the creator of all that we see and cannot see. God is the giver and the sustainer of life. God is the self-existent one. Jesus said another place. He says, the Father hath life in himself. When we come across the word Jehovah in scripture, it points us to the self-existence of God. The God who did not need anything outside of himself to exist spoke all that we see, everything that is, into existence and brought it forth out of nothing. And at the beginning, when God did this, he made them, the scripture said there in Jesus' words in Mark 10, verse 6, he made them male and female male and female. Uh, For (laughs) roughly 6,000 years, there's not really been any question about this subject. There's been only, uh, even considered among humanity, two genders, male and female. It is a sad state, and it is uh, uh, a very... It is a very elaborate commentary on the depravity of humanity that we live in an age in a society now in which the matter of male and female as the only two genders is in question, that anyone would even consider that there's more than one, that you can be anything other than male or female. Now, I know that there are those rare biological things that happen that muddle that in the individual. But that is not the case in uh, any normal kind of way. God created them male and female. God did not make a mistake. God did not uh, confuse that Man has confused that. God didn't give a spectrum on where, uh, wherein a man or a woman may be a little bit of one or a little bit of the other. God made them male and female. That is the only gender that God has made. And when you die, a hundred years from now, we can dig you up, look at your bones, and test them, and we can know whether you are a male or a male. Whether you are a female, on a very basic genetic level, God has settled this. Now, notice what he says in verse 7 of Mark 10. He says, for this cause, or on account of this, because of the fact that God made a male and female, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, a man should leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. A man should marry a woman. Now, I understand that Paul gives exception for those who would not marry, who would remain single. He looks at that as a positive thing. It is a positive thing. It is a gift uh, often of God to individuals to allow them to stay single, that they may stay their attention and focus their minds upon the service of the Lord. But in the natural course of things, again, God has made it that a man would leave his father and mother and would cleave unto his wife, that a man and a woman would be married. And then he says, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. They are to be united. The word cleave there means to glue together. And they are to be united. Uh, A man and a woman that are married should not act as two separate entities any longer. One belongs to the other as much as the other belongs to the one. And they are to be one. They are to act as one. They are to operate as one. And he says in verse 9, what therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Let not man put asunder. And so marriage is an institution set up by God. And God says that's the way that it should be. So the duty assigned, he says, take unto thee, marry thy wife. Leave your father and mother, cleave unto your wife, and you too shall become one flesh. But then the dignity ascribed in this reception of a spouse, he says, marry thy wife thy wife. I love Hebrews thirteen four. The first part of that verse says, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. That's still in your New Testament. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. God is in that verse reminding us that the only place that intercourse between a man and a woman is acceptable and the sight of God is in the marriage bond, one man, one woman. And apart from that, it is judged of God, will be judged of God. It's sin, whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. But then he said, uh, not only receive your spouse, but raise her son. He said, she shall bring forth a son. She shall bring forth a son. He's reminding him that though that is not his biological son, as he takes Mary, he takes her child as his own child. And he is to bring him up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. What a man Joseph must have been for God to place Jesus under his tutelage as a child, that he would raise him, that he would show him what it was to be an earthly father. So there's instruction concerning nuptials. Next time we'll see some instruction concerning a name. Till then, it's been Pastor Brandon. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Standing in the Gap. It is my desire that today's episode has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to contact me, my email is bcharrell83 at protonmail.com. That's b-c-h-a-r-r-e-l-l-83 at protonmail.com. You can also reach me by phone at 828-777-4923. Tune in next time for Standing in the Gap.